Real on Reels, Episode 2, Tron, the grandpappy of CGI. Alan, can I have some of your popcorn? Hi, welcome again to Real on Reels. I'm Rob. I'm Jeremiah. And today, we're excited to talk about the movie Tron. Yes, we are, Rob. Tron. <laughs> this is a 1982 classic. Tron. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, yes, it is. It's very, very good and uh, a kind of a, a milestone in cinematic spe- special effects. Yeah, absolutely. Specifically computer-generated ones. Yeah. Uh, directed by Steven Lisberger. And written. Oh, directed, directed and written. Apparently... Yeah. Uh, same guy did uh, the sequel too, so that's oh. that's pretty cool. Hmm. Well, anyway, Tron uh, is a Jeff Bridges Disney vehicle uh, created by uh, this dude that we just mentioned, and <laughs> it is about a group of people that work at a computer. What do they make? What do they do? They just make software? <laughs> it's not actually made super clear in the movie. I kind of was wondering that. They work for a company named Encom, and it's like it's like a software company yeah, or something. Basically. And Jeff Bridges was an old employee that got fired for being a wild card, if you will. And uh, you got you got yourself some uh, Bruce Box Lightners. You got your uh, <laughs> you got your um, David Warner's as uh, the villain. You got the Cindy yeah. Morgans as. Uh, you know the, the one of the other basically the three computer people that are the stars of the movie and that end up in the computer world i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> because basically what happens is that these uh people are working on some <clears throat> encom one of encom's sections is working on a, a device that it's like a laser that scans people into or it scans items, objects into computers. Yeah, it's a very cool early scene that is kind of... It's easy to just kind of forget about it. Right. Because of everything that comes later. And But when you think back, it's like that was actually really... Um, it was a great way to bring in like kind of a rational explanation for how uh, Flynn could actually get like sucked into the computer world right because it's like wait because if there if there had been any explanation for that i'd be like wait how does this thing just like do that but there's this really well-filmed scene at the beginning and it's filmed in this it's filmed in an actual uh facility like an actual yeah. laboratory where they <clears> were like building laser yeah. they were building a real laser like th- that thing's real yeah th- in the set you can tell it's just not at if the if the movie production c- crew had designed that it would not look what it looked like because it was you couldn't see anything. It was like not you definitely not made for filming. It was made for work and safety and whatever. And it's funny because actually, there was a tremendous amount of effort put into the making of this film. Right. I mean, the stuff that they were doing was cutting edge. Yeah, the special effects, and we'll go over some of the trivia later about uh, the kind of the, <laughs> the trials and tribulations they had to go through. To make this movie possible, um, yeah, I was reading through some of the IMDb, IMDb trivia, and there's so much technical stuff in there that I didn't even understand how. Yeah. I was like, "What are they even talking about in there?" Yeah, some of the stuff you were explaining to me was like, because I've made a couple short films when, uh, in the past, and I know how. I know because I held the boom. Yeah, you you were, I also held you were the, the sound filter. operator. 
you're the sound yeah, operator in those I, films. I did the uh, did some lighting for the other yeah one. lighting. You're the lighting <laughs> operator engineer <laughs> engineer. Yeah, um, but yeah, I just know how frustrating a movie making a movie can be, and how frustrating editing a movie can be. But the stuff they went through, <laughs> I can't even fathom. I yeah. W- I'm surprised as many people came out alive on that crew <laughs> as, the, as, the, as there was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll get into some more stuff <clears> with that later. But I wanted to also uh, just point out how this is kind of a, a very much a gamer film. It's a, oh, yeah. it's a cult film for people who are into like hacking and like cyberpunk stuff or oh, just yeah, classic yeah. gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause Flynn, he's a, he designed games that the head of ncom basically took credit for uh mm-hmm. creating and it was like the most popular arcade games in that in the tron universe um yeah. ed dillinger or yes. sark is in his computer name yeah played by david warner who so, is always a great villain yeah so basically jeff bridges bruce boxleitner and uh cindy morgan they all break in to the ncom facility to try to, what do they wanted to? They just wanted to get find credit, find the credit that he. That yeah. So he. What happened was Flynn's character, uh, or well, Jeff Bridges' character, which is Flynn, right, d- uh, designs a program to basically try to hack into their system to find the evidence, the smoking gun that will uh, prove that he was the one who designed Space Paranoids and some of these other games. Right. Which were stolen from him by uh, a Dillinger or Sark. And uh, he uh, so he's he's trying to find that he knows that that information is in the system somewhere. So he designed this program that he calls Clue. And it it looks like him in the computer world, of course. But but it um, is him in the computer world. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same. Uh, well, Clue is a different character. Clue is the program. It's he's, but he's not those two entities aren't in the same movie, though. Right. They never mentioned mm-hmm. Clue. Yeah, this gets into some of the stuff that's not made super clear. Um, yeah, because, I mean, Jeff Bridges is sucked into the... Or Flynn is sucked into the computer. So, I don't think he's technically Clue. He's Actually, not, he's not the program just like everybody else. Mm, like, everybody else is interesting. The, the program version of themselves. That makes sense. But he's okay. himself. Yeah, that's cool because... Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. right. You're right. I was. I wasn't clear on that. He's the only one who actually gets sucked in. Right. Because right. he's in the actual laser room. Yeah. He's on the computer. When they break in. To, yeah. He's trying to do some hacking stuff. Yeah. And he uh, gets the master control program, which this uh, David Warner character uh, Ed Dillinger created, is. <clears throat> it's basically taking over. It's running. The goal of the master control program is to run NCOM automatically. It's artificial intelligence that has reached a point where it's teaching itself. So it has all these stats on like how, you know, I'm, I can run this company 5,000 times more efficient than you. And um, <laughs> yeah, the arbitrary stats are hilarious. Yeah. And then like he, uh, the master control program eventually decides it wants to take over the world <laughs> and <laughs> the Pentagon and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I guess I'm looking at the page right now. I guess uh, the guy who plays Ed Dillinger, David Warner, he also does the voice of Master Control Program as well as plays uh, Sark. Yeah, in the computer world. So yeah, Sark and the Master Control Program in the computer world have this sort of um, Darth Vader Emperor relationship. Right. 
and you know he'll go to the the master control program who is this giant like floating head like, like a beam of light head yeah and so they uh there, there's a clear star star wars influence there which i liked and actually the whole the plot overall has a kind of um um like joseph campbellian mythological um arc to it it's very it's just a simple straightforward story <clears throat> right because when they go when he gets sucked into the computer he finds out that these programs which by the way to clear this up the programs are played by the characters that wrote them in right the, in the film so even though alan bradley played by bruce Dox, bruce boxleitner is like a total nerd his program tron is, is a, a bad- total badass yeah yeah um and he just he's great at these gladiatorial games mm-hmm. um and uh he because his program is designed to basically hunt out like uh glitches and stuff in the master control program which there are a lot of because it's trying to like take everything over and right so he's kind of like alan alan is kind of like onto this mm-hmm. he's starting to see what's happening he, he actually loses his some of his like clearance or something right near yeah, the that's beginning. What, and that's, that's what motivates off, him right. to be like okay we're gonna we're gonna go get flynn and we're gonna figure out what the heck is going on here yeah bruce Bo- box lightner he plays alan bradley who is the creator of the program Tron. So in the computer world, he portrays Tron. Cindy Morgan, uh, I, I don't know what she created. What She was like, what, what was her character in that movie? Uh, but in, in the computer world. Well, the character is Yori. I, I don't, I think she does kind of explain at the beginning what her program is, but um, it's not, it's not really, they don't dwell on it right. much. Yeah, they don't really go into it. They just kind of find her mm-hmm. um, towards when they, start exploring but um yeah so that when he when flynn gets sucked into this computer he finds out that these programs when they talk to each other they're they're wondering are is there such a thing as a user Mm -hmm. because the user is the myth the mythological uh all-powerful being in this computer world and Jeff Bridges, Flynn, is a user. So he comes down and he's basically God and he has to try to explain to these people what you believe in is real and I am proof of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, what is it? I, I think it might be uh, Walter, uh, Dr. Walter Gibbs or, uh, and his, his uh, uh, computer character Dumont played by Bernard Hughes. I think he's he at some point says something like that the programs have or it might not be him, um, but they do mean he he does play this kind of like Yoda type character. He's the guy um, that started Encom in his garage, right? Uh, no, I think he's the one who was like actually building the laser. But the uh, there's this other guy. Oh man, I, he's not even. I'm not sure who he is on this cast list. But anyway, he says something early on, which it just kind of uh, clicked in my brain about how like programs. He's like pro, all these programs um, written by these programmers all have like you know, they're, they pour themselves into these programs, you know, and he kind of says it like, and he's, he's saying it very much in like a, a non-literal, like kind of more metaphorical sense, yeah. but then like they literally are these people in this computer world. Right. Um, so basically the idea is, you know, in the real world, it's just, it's uh, Flynn trying to get this information so he can take the company that's rightfully his because it was built on his programming and stuff in the in the computer world it becomes very much uh you know a a mythical 
good versus evil struggle. Yeah. So it's funny because it's like on the surface, it's 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 in some ways, um, it's it's a representation of kind of like what myth is in in general. Like I don't want to get too philosophical or whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, you know, the real world is kind of just mundane. So we make up these stories, and it's right. like, you know, the, for, to him, this is like this big dramatic thing. You know, it's it's really important to him, but it's it wouldn't make much of a a story. It's like, oh, this guy's got to hack into this computer and get this information. Right. But as a as a as an actual uh, fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. of these of these uh, good versus evil, you know, uh, computer programs playing these gladiatorial games, it becomes much more dramatic and. And it, there are a lot of tense mm. scenes in there. There's a lot of really good action. Yeah, we didn't mention, we didn't really go into it, but they do, when he says gladiatorial games, so there's like, there's what, three different games or two different games? There's at least three because there's the light cycles, right. the the thing with the... the discs. Yeah, the, the discs and then the, the like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's like a scoop thing where they throw a ball. Oh, yeah, it's like a highlight. Yeah, yeah, highlight. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's how they, they're duking it out, basically, to, to be the one that gets to live i guess like they're fighting to the death right all these yeah it's this weird like they're like prisoners they're like political prisoners um in this within this computer this computer the computer world is like an authoritarian dictatorship right uh, controlled by this master control program and anybody any dissidents or uh dissenters are you know tossed aside into these prisons and forced to battle to the death in these games and that's what Flynn finds himself in when he gets there he's thrown in prison Mm -hmm. and uh, has to fight these games because master control sucks him in basically yeah Flynn (laughs) yeah and there's um there's a lot of there's some really nice little uh speeches and stuff by uh by Sark and just being very uh diabolical you know, yeah just dive yeah he's just taking pleasure in the evil that he's uh perpetrating yeah um and there's these really cool tanks which reminded me of like the battle zone game and stuff yeah. like that the special effects in this movie are like it's like a combination of computer animation green screen or did they use green screen i'm assuming i don't know if they had that technology back then yeah they it's not really green screen like we do it or like they do it now because yeah. they couldn't they couldn't do live action with computer animated effects like added in where like because not well now it's like everything is like you where there's like suits and props and stuff with like dots on them and then everything is yeah. like has like <clears throat> it's all it's all, it's all the, layers on yeah. top of it but done in post-production but yeah they didn't they definitely didn't have that technology so they there's <laughs> there's some stuff in the imdb trivia about how they did it exactly that i don't want to get into because it's too technical yeah. but it had it, to do with layering film right and they they shot the actual the live action when they're in the computer world was black and white so that's why the the, the actors are all black and white and then they layered like fil- uh, color film mm. yeah it looks it looks so cool it's it looks it looks really bad it looks crappy yeah <laughs> but it looks cool it's like its own it's it's just nice it's a cool looking style to the movie and it's very unique you're not gonna see a movie quite like this um, yeah it's got kind of a a noir feel to it yeah very cyberpunk mm-hmm. um you know and obviously rudimentary um like you can tell there's scenes where jeff bridges is walking in like illustrations and right. like reacting to things that aren't there um yeah and there's a lot of just 
there's a lot of stuff that looks like it's just kind of like fractals that were like colored in and it's <clears throat> right. a lot of it is you know it's clearly just like drawn animation yeah and there's lots of colors mm-hmm. like I, I i don't remember it being such a colorful movie right and there's just lots of interesting designs it's so it's it's a visual feast yeah for um, sure and yeah this movie has kind of paved the way for what movies CG. how movies are made now it's yeah CG. it's it's really uh, um the more you think about it the more you realize how technically influential it's been even though it was a box office flop yeah and <laughs> you said didn't you say that uh the academy <laughs> yeah. didn't want to nominate it for best special effects because no no they uh they actually um it was disqualified oh uh because the academy felt that using computers was cheating <laughs> which is so ironic right back. yeah like, i'm it occurred to me that toy story was you know the first i think it was probably the first like big um like fully cg movie right and that movie did something they it kind of pulled a similar trick because they chose they chose a story that would be um basically about pretty much the easiest uh type of of story they could do with the the technology that they had at the time right which was just toys, toys. right yeah. every everything is just like smooth surfaces cuz it's all made of plastic so yeah. it was uh it was a smart decision and that movie came out toy story came out in 95 um okay. so it was sort of it's like a 13 year difference between the two yeah that 13 year difference um I mean that it was like night and day like it's almost yeah. Toy Story has almost a modern look to it. Yeah. Um and obviously, you know, they there's they can do a lot more texture and things now, but Yeah, Toy Story I don't think ever will look dated. Right. Right. It's it was a just, really smart decision. Yeah. It it just looks very very good. Um so going on to some of the themes of Tron, um going back to the user kind of the, this is kind of a religious commentary. I don't know if it's really a commentary on religion. It's just more of a religious element to the story. You know, these people, all these programs that believe in a user and an authoritarian government trying to squash people that believe in users because they don't want it to get out that such, yeah. a, such a concept exists. Yeah. There's definitely that sense of like the, um, the kind of um, secular or like atheistic uh, totalitarian state, which, you know, you don't really think a movie like this is going to have that kind of a depth. Yeah. But it it actually does. I mean, they, they, it's not that it's like super detailed with that kind of stuff, but it does have that, that element to it where it feels realistic because it really is. That's, that's history, you know? Yeah. And uh, Tron Legacy continues in that tradition as well um and we can get into that when we do that episode yes but. so overall what do you think do you were you i know you'd seen it before i'd seen it before um overall what do you think of the movie what do you like what don't you like overall i think the uh the the writing is probably the weakest point just the dialogue i mean it's kind of it's kind of rudimentary and straightforward yeah it's pretty stock yeah. yeah um and the overall story is kind of safe but like i said it has some depth to it well safe i don't know if it was well 
it was probably yeah it's safe is probably a good word but this was a pretty cutting edge movie right yeah and not just in terms of special effects but it just you know it was disney disney was and still is the biggest company right that makes films and this was like you know and like you said it was a flop but it was audacious enough just to try to make a film that looked like it did. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. to set a movie, to set a, a movie inside of a computer, I mean, that's it doesn't matter really what the story is if they pulled it off. And right. it, I, yeah, I think the story is kind of whatever, but it, yeah. it deserves its purpose. Right. Yeah, the technology to make a film um, in that kind of realm. That, yeah. That looked good mm-hmm. it wasn't really around until like the matrix yeah <laughs> so and you have to give props to jeff bridges bruce Broxlight, and all the cast because i mean they were treading new ground in terms of acting they were i don't know what their sets were like but oh yeah i'm That's assuming like they nobody had ever seen a set like that to where they were working so it was like a, a whole new un untraveled vista of uh acting that they had to kind of you know, pull their way through and feel their way through. Because, I, like I said, Jeff Bridges, there's scenes where he, they're all walking around and there's clearly nothing around them on the set. They ended up having to do the kind of acting that Ian McKellen, that made Ian McKellen cry on the set of uh, Lord of the Rings, or no, The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Do you hear about that? No. Okay, so when they were filming The Hobbit, uh, Ian McKellen was on set and he was just, it was all green screen. Nothing but green screen surrounded oh, wow. by green screen and he just started crying on set and it was like this is not why i got into acting and he just like broke down wow on set. i didn't know that but yeah it's like those were the first people that had to kind of do that in film. yeah so you have to yeah. give them props yeah and it uh and the performances i mean i i always love jeff bridges and whatever he's in the other ones are i think the only other standout to me is um sark Right. And Dillinger, um, just because he's a good villain. But other than that, everyone's a kind of a kind of a stock character. Right. Um, um, I really liked the music by Wendy Carlos. Yes. And one of the things that's interesting about that is that it was um, it was a blending of old and new. It was kind of there was a live orchestra. There was organs. Yeah. Analog organs. Mm-hmm. And there was also digital synth- uh, synthesizers and probably analog synthesizers. Uh, yeah, Wendy Carlos used Moog right. synthesizers. So, yeah. yeah, she did the music for um, The Shining and the Clockwork, Clockwork Orange. Orange, so she had yes. quite a resume going into it. I love her music for Clockwork Orange. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I, I did have one gripe, which was the sound mixing, oddly enough. Yeah, I kept having it turned up and down and up and down. Yeah, there was... There were, it could have just been the Blu-ray, but... Yeah, um, yeah, it's weird because normally Blu-ray has has really good sound and you would think they would kind of try to fix those like obvious mixing issues because it's there's t- there's parts where there's like especially when the uh, master control program is speaking like yeah. in the actual computer world it's right. like hard to hear him and then there's yes. like certain sound effects that are super loud mm-hmm. so it's um that's a little bit jarring yeah it's hard to really you can't take too many points off of it for not having a super original story because it does have so much else going for it and right. it was incredibly difficult to make <laughs> so i mean what would your if you were to give this a, a score out of 10 what would you give tron i am gonna go with 8.5 that's pretty close with me i'd say probably i'll probably go eight 
Yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. Oh, I think yeah. it's got its flaws for sure, but um, it's you know you're not going to regret your time watching it if you pay attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you come at it as like, oh, this is just some old adventure movie or fantasy movie or something, it's not going to probably rank high for you. But if you take into consideration all of the technical, um, you know, marvels of it. Oh yeah. From you know, considering that it came out in 1982. Yeah, it definitely bumps it up for me. Yeah. Um, so how about we look at some uh, uh, Rotten Tomato reviews? Sure. And see what people have to say. Without the rosy filter of nostalgia, it's a virtually unwatchable virtual reality saga. That's a pretty good summary of of the, a mm. negative filter to view it through. <laughs> yeah, I mean. If you're, if you're, I don't know, people put too much emphasis and importance on special effects. Like if they don't look good, really all that matters is the movie's good. And this guy, I mean, he's clearly not a fan of how dated the special effects have gotten, but I don't think that really takes away from the movie at all. Yeah. I mean, you have to really kind of take yourself away and remember that it's from 1982 and remember mm-hmm. you know what you're watching and i don't know yeah I, these, I think, mo- these reviews are all just uh different ways of saying the same thing but that the effects were just dated well not necessarily that but uh the even even the some of these people are praising the visuals but they're just saying eh, the story just isn't very good yeah i mean that's a valid criticism too Aside from CGI sequences, there's nothing compelling here. It wasn't even CGI, so. <laughs> I mean, I nothing compelling. I, I found the movie compelling. I. Yeah, I. I it's funny because I, it... I've, up, upon reflection, I've I like the original and the sequel more. Mm-hmm. Thinking just thinking about the subtext because it's not. Um, it's like okay, who doesn't love just like a basic good versus evil story? I mean, come right. on, and there's real there's substance to it yeah it's not immediately obvious but it's there all right let's look at some uh user or viewer reviews actually there's a roger ebert one right in here oh he's got a fresh yeah a dazzling movie from alt disney in which computers have been used to make themselves romantic and glamorous here's a technological sound and light show that is sensational and brainy stylish and fun Roger gets it right again, except. So what we uh, what are we uh, moving on to? Let's look at uh, some user reviews. User reviews. Yeah, see what the um, audience didn't like. Audience. All right. Two stars. Probably very innovative and technologically technologically advanced for its time. Tron has not aged well. Their graphics are obsolete, revealing the poor random plot. Pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> the I graphics mean, are obsolete dude you totally missed the point yeah i mean you you can't judge a film from 1982 <laughs> by 2018 standard, criteria right i don't know i just think uh yeah he's wrong let's, <laughs> let's, let's another two stars tron's shaky visual effects color palette and world design are all far too distracting to keep focus on a plot that has many holes Nonetheless, three leads are good, as are the real-world sections. 
Two stars. Weird. Probably missed the boat with this one. Should have seen it years ago. Might have appreciated it more. <laughs> How about just use a little imagination and pretend that you're in 1982? Yeah. <laughs> might, be, might be a little more fun that way. One and a half stars. So boring and the soundtrack is dated and unbearable. <laughs> wow. Good concept, but the laughably bad graphics screamed, Remake me! From beginning to end. Which they wonderfully did. Parentheses. As a sequel. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, well. I don't know. These people seem to be saying all the same thing. Kind of just bashing the uh, special effects. And and maybe that's why. I mean, what was their, What was the score on Rotten Tomatoes? It was like oh, 70%. Yeah, I, was, uh, I was a bit surprised. Critics. Because, yeah. yeah, it's 69 for audiences and 70 for critics. Everybody was kind of meh. Yeah, that is kind of a mess score. Yeah. Surprising. I think IMDb is only like 6.8 or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And so all movie gives it four and a half stars. So they're more enthusiastic about it because I think they appreciate the... The... Significance. Yeah, the historical significance of it. So let's say we uh, we play a game. I'm up for a game. A game? Sure. All right. Well, uh, the game we're going to play today is um, a game by the Tribeca Film Festival, and they came up with a game called the IMDb Game, and I'm just trying to see how many times I can say game. Um, (laughs) And the game is about... uh, uh, The game involves us... We each pick two actors, and we're going to uh, name the actors, and the other person is going to have to try to guess the four films that they're known for. So when you go to IMDb, each actor has four films that they're known for, quote-unquote, in their section, beneath their picture. So what's going to happen is Jeremy's going to give me his actor. I'm going to try to guess him. You have three strikes. After the second strike, the other person has to give uh, the guesser the year the movies were released. And for each movie we get right, we get a point and which as, I will be keeping track of in my very official scorebook. Right. Cause as you all know, as all of you, uh, real on reels listeners and subscribers and diehards know, we keep track of our points here and we have no use for them yet, but we will one day and believe you me, you'll know it when we do. Yes, they will Rob. Yes, they will, Jeremiah. <laughs> All right. So, would you like to start off as a guesser? Sure. Okay. So, my first actor for you is the one and only Daniel DeVito. Daniel DeVito. <laughs> All right, Daniel DeVito. So, what are the four movies he's most known for, according to IMDb? Okay, we're going to go with... Throw Mama from the Train. That is correct. Mm. So that is one point. Ding, ding, ding for Jeremiah. Ding, ding, ding. All right. I am writing it down as we speak. Cool. Hit me with another one. Oh, no, I got to finish. You got to hit finish. me with another one. I didn't even finish my part of the part of the game. What am I thinking? Okay, so Daniel yeah. DeVito. Yeah, you have no strikes. <laughs> Daniel DeVito was also in 
Batman Returns. Yes, that is another movie he is known for, according to IMDb. <laughs> All right, Danny DeVito. I'm sorry, Who? Daniel Thank DeVito was also in oh that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, oh gosh, Twins. And uh, that's one strike for Jeremiah. Twins, a bold choice for a is that man. What, is that what that movie's called? Even yes, okay. A bold choice for uh, such an illustrious career. You go with uh, <laughs> the movie Twins. Oh man, my brain is not working that well right now. I did get I did get a couple there though. Man, what else does that guy know? All I can think of is him as Frank and Sun and uh, it's always sunny. Like that's. I can't get I can't get that version of him out of my mind right now. Well, if you get one more strike, I can give you the years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I'm trying to even think of another movie that he was in. I'll just take a strike, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one strike for Jeremiah, or two strikes for Jeremiah. So, uh, the remaining two films are from the years 1996... And 1989. 96 and 89. Oh, uh, one of them is that one where he was like a, um, like a corporate guy. Like he's one of those guys who like takes over companies or something. I can't remember what the name of it was though. Am I even on the right track with that? I think so. I'm not really familiar. I've never seen the movie, but it's not, it's, you sound like you're on the right track. Feels like it. Yeah. That's probably the 89 one. Um, I don't know what the name of it is. Okay. So you give up? Yes. And three strikes. So you got how many points? Two points. Yep. And um, the two films you missed are the one from 1989 is The War of the Roses. War of the Roses. Oh, is that the one with um, um, Michael, Michael Douglas? Yeah, Michael Douglas and um, what's her name? Kathleen Turner. Ah, that's right. Kathleen. <laughs> um, and then the 1996 one was Matilda. Oh, my gosh. How did I not think of Matilda? <laughs> I love that movie. So good. All righty, then. Okay, Rob. It's your turn. Yes. Your first actor is Jeff Bridges. Oh, from the movie Tron. The very same. Yay. Okay, let's do it. So, All right. Oh, yeah, I have to do it. Um, I'm going to say first one, one of my favorite movies of all time, Big Lebowski. Ding, 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 ding. One point for me. It's down in the official record book. Yes. Uh, second one, Big Trouble in Little China. No, that's Kurt Russell. No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a strike for Rob. Uh. I want to say this movie, Tron. Actually, that's not one of the ones really in the known for section. <laughs> wow. Okay, what are the years of the womp, womp. <laughs> the remaining three movies? Okay, their years are 2009, 2010, and 1984. What was it? 2009? 2009, 2010, and 1984. I'm going to say 
He was in the country music movie Crazy Heart. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. I was giving him the eyebrows to let him know he was on the right track. That's a great movie. Um, all right. I have not seen that one yet. Let's see. 1984. I'm going to say True Grit was another one. Oh. Yep. Oh, yep. Was it? True Grit Sweet. is the one from 2010. Sweet. So I got three points. I got one more movie to guess. Um, that was from 1984? Yes. Oh, God. Uh, I'm probably going to hit myself. I have not seen this one either, but I have heard of it. I don't know. Starman. Oh, okay. So, um, now round two. I have one more actor. Jeremiah has one more actor. Um, you got you gave me a Jeff, so I'm going to give you a Jeff. Jeff Daniels. I've actually got two more. Oh. I've only done one. You've only done one. Right. We only do Get two with each. the program, We're Rob. We're only doing two each. Jeez. We're only doing two actors each. Oh. Get with the program, Jeremiah. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So uh, you All gave right. me a Jeff, and I gave, I'm going to give you a Jeff. So Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels. is your actor. All right. Jeff Daniels. Piece of cake. Dumb and dumber. Ding, ding, ding. What else is Jeff Daniels in? Actually, this probably isn't a piece of cake. <laughs> it's a toughie. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be one, but he was in that movie with uh, Don Cheadle. Um, wasn't Enemy of the State. It was like something like that. Oh, I can't for the life of me remember the name of that movie. I'm going to put put a pin in that one. Okay, Jeff Daniels. I'm going to take a strike. Okay. Okay, so what are the years? You only have one strike so far. I cannot give you the years. Oh. <laughs> Man, I can't even think of another one. I thought I could. But it's just not coming to me. Okay, so I'll take that as another strike. So the, the years are 2005, 1985, and 2014. 2005, 85, 2014. Oh, jeez. Is, uh, is Dumb and Dumb and Dumber 2 one of them? It is. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Two points. <laughs> oh, man. 2005. That's probably that Don Cheadle one. <laughs> gosh. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in the towel. The 2005 film is... The Squid and the Whale. Oh, man. I didn't even know he was in that. Okay. I was way off track. And then the uh, 1985 film is The Purple Rose of Cairo. Okay. Definitely haven't even heard of that movie. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I know I do know that's like a, like a big Jeff Daniels movie. Hmm. Learn something new every day. Yeah. All right. Um, so, your final actor for me. Oh, how many points did you get that time? You got two points. I only got one point out of that one. No, you got both Dumb and Dumbers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so I've got a total of four points. Right. Okay. Your final actor, if we're only doing two, is 
Natalie Portman. All right. Um, I'm going to say Black Swan. Yep. I'm going to say V for Vendetta. Yep. Um, that puts you at a cool five. Sweet. Uh, let's see. Natalie. Oh, uh, Garden State. Oh, man, that's a good guess, but that's actually not one of them. Mm. I'm not sure why it's not one of them. Um, geez, what else? What else was Natalie Portman in? These other two are going to be a bit tougher. Hmm. I'm going to take a uh, strike, so that would be two. What are the years? The years are 2016 and 2004. Natalie Portman, 2016. Man, Black Swan came out in 2010. It didn't seem like it was that long ago. Hmm. Still haven't seen that one. It's good. It's very good. Darren, Ar- Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, The Fountain is awesome. And, of course, um, Requiem for a Dream. If you can tolerate watching it more than once without... Just, just killing yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen it once, and that was that was enough. I've seen it like three times. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, got a masochist over here. Yeah. I'm going to have to give up. I don't know what the other movies are. All right. Uh, the 2016 one is Jackie. Oh. She plays uh, Jackie Kennedy. Also known as Jackie. Oh. Indeed. <laughs> the 2004 film is Closer with the likes of... Um, Clive Owen, mm. Jude Law, mm. and Julie Roberts. Mm. I've never heard of it. Excellent drama. Oh, cool. Yeah, she plays like a um, an exotic dancer, I believe. Nice. All right, so final score is what? Five me, four you? It's actually six to four in your favor. I win. You do win. Did I win last time? No, I won last time. Boo. All right. Yeah, we both did pretty poorly, but I did edge you out. Two to one. All right. It's all here in my official record book. Yes. The the uh, the official reel on reels ledger. <laughs> okay. So, uh, um, oh, we, we didn't talk about the Tron arcade game. Which is awesome. Which yes. is amazing. You got to try it if you can find one around you. Uh, they made an arcade game in the 80s um, for, based on the movie Tron, and it's a, an all-time classic. Right. Cult it, classic, just like the film. Interesting trivia. Um, they made more money off of the games based on the movie Tron than they did on the actual movie. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah. That's... So it wasn't a total lo- or it wasn't a total uh, loss for them. They actually yeah. did make money off of it. Oh, dude, Disney's gonna find a way to make money. <laughs> Don't you better believe it. Believe you me. In fact, that might have been some brilliant, um, you know, kind of uh, what do they call that foresight on their part? Yeah, because they probably knew, eh, some nerds will want to buy these games, even if the movie isn't isn't that great. Right. That's true. So anyway, um, this has been. As always, Real on Reels, and as always, I'm Jeremiah Martin. And I'm Rob Onifray. Um, And please don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're you're using. I don't know. Just whatever you're using to listen to this dang thing. (laughs) 
just subscribe. And then you don't have to worry about us uh, having to text you every time a new episode's out. We will come through these microphones and make you subscribe. So you yeah. might as well just do it. Yeah. And if you don't, we're going to... We're going to fit you for a, a, a pair of uh, cement shoes, as they say in the old uh, syndicate. It's going a, little, going a little far there, Rob. No, it's not. So don't forget to subscribe on... Um, we are going to invent a laser so that it can departicalize us yes. and, and uh, transfer us like a Star Trek replicator right. into the airwaves. And even though this podcast isn't on the airwaves... We're going to use the airwaves to go to your house and infect your phone and your computer or just you. I'm going to go ask your person. I'm going to go inside your computer and make your browsing history public. Ooh, see, Rob, Rob just likes to go to dark places. I'm not I'm not going there. It doesn't have to be dark. It depends if you're a good person or not. Could be, you know, full of, uh, you know, Pinterest and you know why did we confuse people by giving them the wrong names by the way I just went along with it because you did it because I don't know um, <laughs> okay so don't forget to subscribe on whatever you're listen- using it to listen to us um, we are on Twitter at real on reels we are at facebook.com slash real on reels and by the way we might as well give a shout out to anchor.fm because it's a really sweet program that's free and if you want to start a podcast there's literally no easier way. Yes, and they do not obligate us to do that, to mention them. It's just we think it's so awesome that if you right. want to start a podcast and you're listening to this, it's free, it's easy. Do it. Do it. Do it live. Now. Okay, so Bill O'Reilly quote as a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Um you didn't do the Bane voice. You said you were going to do the Bane voice for this episode. Oh, yeah. Because Master Control sounds like this. <laughs> that is pretty much what Master Control sounds like. Give me all of your computers. <laughs> I'm the master of your computers. No survivors! And that's more or less the plot of Tron. Yes. And we're also on Gmail if you want to email us. Um... We don't have a fax number anymore. We got rid of that in 1982 when this movie came out. <laughs> um, you can find us on Gmail at... Uh, real, real on Reels official at gmail.com. There you go. I couldn't spit it out. Yeah, Jeremiah did. And That's we, what a good podcast partner does. Yeah. Well, I'm always here for you. I'm, I can't say the same. Okay. <laughs> I see how it is. Good. So this has been the final episode of Real on Reels. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed it so far because um, there's not going to be any more. Yeah, because uh, we don't like each other anymore. Toodles. Bye.